everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. He is my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Free Beacon. We got a lot of stuff going on today. We got some education news. It's not that uplifting. I gotta be honest with you. We got a bunch of lying liars who keep lying. We're gonna go through a couple of clips of them, and we got a little bit of food news that I want to talk about. Yeah. It's it's controversial. I have thoughts. That's a tease. Controversial summer taste. The taste of the summer. We'll get to that in a bit. How's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I jumped the gun there because I do have thoughts on our little food and drink section. It comes from a lot of experience, really, with the product. I know a lot is going on. Most of it is not good, but I do want to wish you on something on the lighter side. Happy first day of summer. As you can tell uh-huh. outside, as you can tell from my V-neck sweater, and I believe it's probably about 60 degrees in the office, and it's so beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous. Uh, and I guess it's going to be raining through the end of the week. I Happy hear that. first day. Yeah, the summer the summer solstice is not treating us well. I guess we have to talk to Gaia about that or something. I love the summer solstice. I am a big deal. I I I, I treat it as a big deal. I'm okay. not not Stonehenge big deal, but I recognize this is the longest day of the year. Mm-hmm. Was and every day after that gets shorter. Oh, until See, that December. Makes it sound... Like now, I know it yeah, shuts yeah. down, and so I always try to spend as much time when possible outside and that was not the case yesterday because this weather's been terrible i will share really quickly my favorite summer solstice i think ever and it just happened by chance i was living at the kennedy warren in the apartment in up in dc and i said well it's the summer solstice i got a book review i i'm working I, i'm working on some piece let me go up to the roof deck and just read there because the sun is shining it's great i go upstairs and who do I find up there on the roof deck of my apartment building having a little picnic but P.J. O'Rourke, his wife Tina, and Mary Eberstadt. Oh, so nice. then they waved me over and I said, no, 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 you guys enjoy. Said, no, they insist. Get over here. So got over there. They were drinking wine. P.J. was drinking scotch, smoking cigarillos. So I start partaking and it goes on and on. And eventually Tina and Mary had left. And I told PJ, I said, let's take an intermission. I got my own bottle. I didn't have much of a bar back then, but I did have a scotch that a good friend gave me for our wedding when he had, we had just gotten married. And so I said, let me bring that up. He had an Oban. I brought my Macallan. And both bottles went to below the halfway oh point. Gosh. So basically meaning a bottle. And by the time we were finished, it was pitch black outside. And we would keep a thing. We would say, like, well, we should probably go in now. And then he'd say, well, it is the longest day of the year. Indeed. And then we just pour ourselves and have another round. And that was lovely. That was lovely because he told me how he, um, his stories about Jan Wenner and Rolling Stone and the time that his wife toured the Holocaust Museum with Jan Wenner and Yoko Ono. Oh, my God. That's interesting. That is quite a group is to see, to go to the Holocaust Memorial. Well, anyway. D- despite the weather... I can't beat that story, by the way. Despite the weather. I probably die now on the same story every time. Uh, I am reminded at the summer solstice that summer, sometimes during the year, I, I doubt myself, but summer is my favorite season. Hands down, there's no competition. It's the best. Like, the, the very beginning of fall when it's sort of half summer and half mm-hmm. fall, I do dig that because you got a, a, nice little bit of, a little bit of football yeah. in there. Oh, and that. it's the the weather's maybe changing a tiny bit, but you're still right on the cusp. That is a good time, but summer as a full season, every time. You don't the mind, debate is over. You don't mind the bugginess. 
There are other debates I will have, which we'll discuss later, but this one I will not have. I like late spring before it gets buggy. Fair. Too many dance. I get it. Okay. All right. Here we go. I got some trash to talk today. Let's Vic. do it. And let's start with the trash about Hunter Biden. Yeah. I wrote a piece for OutKick. Nice. About, not about his other legal troubles, okay? We've heard a lot about those this week, about the the gun charges and the tax evasion, all of which he will neither go to trial nor go to prison for. He'll probably pay small fines and then be moving on with his life. Slap on the wrist. Great, great for him. Very excited. I did a little deep dive on the child custody case. Oh. And I got to tell you, Vic, uh, I've paid attention to politics for a long time, and there's a lot of trash out there. This conduct from the Biden family, Hunter principally, is heinous. Do tell. Let me, let me, let's just go over the facts. Hunter Biden fathered a child with a stripper he met in Washington, D.C. in 2017. At the Empire Club. Not that I know it. I'm just saying on M Street. (laughs) That is the, I'm glad that's the detail you had. I did not, (laughs) on my deep dive, I did not find that detail. But Vic is filling in the gaps. Not to be confused with Camelot. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Not to be confused with Camelot. So he met her here in 2017. And had encounters with her. Yes. This is, by the way, as his longtime marriage to Kathleen, his mother of his older three kids, was unraveling. But he was still married to her, I believe. He was also carrying on an affair with the widow of his recently deceased brother. Hallie. So this is all happening at the same time. That's how this this classic love story begins. He fathers this child in 2019, or at, at some point. After they met in 2017. In 2019, the mother of the child goes to court to try to get child support payments from Hunter Biden. He denies that this child is his. He stalls for almost a year until the beginning of 2020 and will not until he is ordered to take a DNA test. At which point we find out, indeed, the child is his and he has to start paying support payments. Since then, he has gone to court many more times. To A, get his child support payments reduced for the child that he denied, and then also to prevent the child from using the Biden name. The mother of the child had wanted to give the child this name because she says it's synonymous with sort of high education and powerful family, all of which is true. It's also synonymous with the Bidens, (laughs) so it has upsides and downsides, but he doesn't want her to use that name. So he's been crying poverty and flying to the Arkansas courthouse in a private jet. Yeah. That's like 50,000 bucks a flight. I'm sure it's an in-kind donation. One of those coincidental overlaps of interest with his father's right. donors in him. So on a PJ into town to plead poverty and how he can't pay these child support payments and they need to be lower. He also has a $800, $900 an hour lawyer. Yeah, he's got several lawyers, several power lawyers, including Abby, Abby Lowell. Lowell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come cheap. And so he's fought her for several years on this. And I am just astounded at the lack of interest in this story, which is very sort of like a torrid story. There's a lot of sexcapades. There's a lot going on here. Now, I also think it's important to note this. Remember, we always hear about Hunter Biden that he is an addict. And that, therefore, we must have compassion and empathy for him. That is something that Hunter himself reminds us frequently. And even now, the framing by the New York Times and others about his plea deal 
Peter Baker wrote a piece for the New York Times. It's like, this is a gaping wound for the president, and it is very sad, and he remains supportive of his son. Great. I'm glad he's supportive of his son. He should be supportive of his son, although his son did do wrong things, unlike the president claims. All of this fighting against claiming his own daughter, who is biologically his, we have followed the science, so to speak, yeah. happened in his recovery era. It didn't happen in his active addiction era. Right. Furthermore, Vic. It was a way to... I just found this Part out. of the therapy, by the way. I just found this out. It's not like he has three older children by his original wife, and then there's this, this one love child, and right there was a mix-up, and we weren't sure it was his. No, no, no. Shortly after he has Navy Joan, which is her name. That's right. With London Roberts. He then remarries after meeting a South African filmmaker in L.A. Yeah. Six days after he met her, he That's married right. her. And they have a son together. That son is some 18 months younger than his sister, Navy. He's been at the inauguration. He's been at the White House Christmas tree lighting. He has a stocking on the White House mantle. Yeah. He is mentioned in the dedication for Jill Biden's children's book, along with the other grandchildren, as he should be. There's only one who is not. And I think this behavior is so gross. Like, I thought I thought it was gross how Trump treats Tiffany Trump. Sure. Where he sort of like edits her out of the children sometimes. But she's still invited around occasionally. This one has not been met by anyone and now the settlement has been made. His his payments are down to five thousand a month, and she heard. doesn't get the name. That's quite a deal, and he has very powerful lawyers who are able to work out a nice plan for him. A couple things: the Washington Post headline from the other day, mm-hmm. quote, "The complicated relationship between a presidential father and a struggling son." Indeed. On MSNBC, they had Hunter Biden's lawyer was on. And the MSNBC commentators, you know what the big question was? What? How does Hunter feel? Oh, my God. That's what they literally asked. How does he feel? So what you're telling me, Mary Catherine, is it might be different if it was, say, Donnie Jr. <laughs> having saying. an affair with, you know, his yeah. brother's wife, assuming the brother was no longer with us, and yeah. then getting so drugged out he left the computer at the repair shop, and then the computer is filled with yeah. a lot of porn, and questionable emails involving influence peddling, and then the said girlfriend, meaning the sister-in-law, disposes of the gun in a dumpster across the street from a school. Yeah, I feel I feel like we'd hear more about that. By the a way, I found bit. out a found out a great fact about that little incident that I included in my column. Yeah, in 2018, Halley Halley Biden took this revolver from Hunter Biden, the one that he feloniously obtained by lying yes. on his gun form. Lying by. A, Yet another gun crime that no one on the Democratic side cares about right now. Anymore. She threw it in a dumpster across from a school. It briefly went missing until someone who foraged in dumpsters on the regular found yeah. it and returned it somewhere. Okay. Yes. A man so was looking for the FBI's, bottles and cans. Right. FBI's out there looking for it. The Secret Service got involved mm-hmm. trying to find this gun. When Hunter was called to the scene, and this was during the addiction era. era. <laughs> <laughs> when Hunter was called to the scene for questioning, he pointed to two Latino grocery store employees nearby and said they were suspicious and quote probably illegal in an attempt to once again once again evade responsibility that is a real story that happened that's just How astounding that? i must have missed this no and i must have missed just the reporting this week, in the times in reporting NBC. about hunter's various troubles yeah hallie biden again the widow of his re- yep. recently deceased 
brother who he was cheating on his wife with is referred to in a glancing mention of this incident as his then girlfriend. Yeah. So interesting we don't get into the background of that Washington Post. Oh, yeah. They just refer to it as then girlfriend. Then girlfriend. They don't want to say because you know why? Privacy, Mary Catherine. You got to respect the privacy. I'm just amazed at how much of a pass he gets because it's not like he's the estranged son of the president, right? Yeah. And I understand that addiction is a disease and he was going through a lot, right? That doesn't mean that all of your actions are... Excusable. Yeah. Are, yeah. We just write them off as if they right. never happened. But now he's just... They're just going to ignore that kid forever, I guess? He he was driving around in a Porsche Panamera, you know, living in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, that's the other thing. It's rumored he got $2 million for his book. Yeah. Then he's selling art, art for 200 to 500K a pop mm-hmm. and taking the PJ and paying his lawyers. And his lawyer friend who is a Hollywood guy is... Giving him all the stuff and oh yeah, know, the, the and the Secret yeah. Service pays thirty thousand dollars in rent to live near him yeah. at his place in Malibu. So that right. gives you an idea of how much he's paying to stay yeah. in his place in Malibu. And all of these facts he tried to obscure from the child custody court at, right. to the point that the judge was like, "Dude, you got to quit scamming us and show us what right. your income is." But you know, as it turns out, just a coincidence, I'm sure. Hunter Biden wins again. Well, and comes out on the. On the upside. You know, our Alana Goodman at the Free Beacon, she had reported not only she was on the payroll while she was pregnant for Hunter Biden, right? Alexis London Roberts, right? The the baby mama. And then shortly after she gave birth, he cut her out of that. Interesting. Removed her from the payroll. She lost her medical insurance through him. But, you know. You know, NBD. No, I'm just saying, like, there's there's a couple stories in politics, Chappaquiddick, one of them, Mm -hmm. where I, I have to keep checking the facts to remind myself that it's as bad as I remember it being. And I feel like this is going to be one of those things. I'm going to go back to the Navy Jones mm-hmm. story. And the and the real gross part about it is he he wants to keep his name from her to protect her, quote, peaceful existence. She might get bullied. So. Her peaceful existence. By the way, his entire existence has been propped up by yeah. being a Biden. Exploited. It's the only reason That's right. that he's where he is right now. So in addition to this, you know, there was Gary Shapley, who was a whistleblower with the FBI, talking about how you know, FBI was giving him every possible benefit benefit of the doubt they gave to Hunter Biden, right? right? And dragging out this investigation. Also today, according to the Republican chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, there are more whistleblowers who are now saying and witnesses that he got a pass when it came to what the charge was going to be. Apparently, the prosecutor wanted to charge this as a felony and a tax a felony tax evasion. Before they settled with the willful, mis- willful, willful misdemeanor, so that's out there too. Yeah, we have a we have a trust problem. Yeah, and I just since he's not going to get dragged for anything else, I figured I'd I'd drag him on no, the, good for the you. child support thing because I just think it's it might be his worst behavior mm-hmm. in a just a just a wealth of bad yeah. behavior. Yeah, that's right. And everyone's just like, that's right. who cares? And again, you know, there are pundits out there who will. You know, make fun of everybody being, some of us on our side, being upset about, you know, the, the gun charge being waived off because right. he gets to go through this, you know, pre-trial you know, accommodation. Okay, fine. But at the same time, these are the very same people who used to be in a state about not enforcing, you know, lying yes. by, lying on an application for guns and how this is allowing dangerous people well, to yeah, get these, guns. These people have all voted for right. for increasing yeah. punishments for yeah. lying on 
on yeah. good, like the, yeah. this is their thing. Easy, but beginning now, they're going to be against I, it. Yeah. I think that's what happened. They've also, they've also told you how the big rich people don't pay their fair share, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter yeah. as long as the rich person is one of theirs. That's yeah the bottom line. There was, yeah, that's right. It's not necessarily that. It's just that he's a Biden, but he is very rich, can afford Abby Lowell. And other no, very he's impoverished. Powerful he's impoverished, Vic, oh, and he cannot goodness. pay his child support. Meanwhile, you see the story about the rapper Kodak Black, who did three years. Yes, and the yeah. uh, the lawyer for Kodak Black is like, I'm. He's rich. I'm a good lawyer. Yeah, and we couldn't get this deal. Yeah, yeah. For lo- for a, it, that was also, I believe, mm-hmm. long on application to buy them. So, in yeah. Event. Well, it's strange. It's almost like there's two systems of justice. Two tiers. So. Yeah, we have a trust problem. One of the reasons we have a trust problem, let's get into more of the learning loss debate. Oh boy. Vic, we have, we have bad news. N- yeah, new results are in. The nation's report card keeps delivering bad news. COVID-19's cataclysmic impact on K-12 education coming on the heels of a decade of stagnation in schools has yielded a lost generation of growth for adolescents, new federal data reveal. Wednesday's publication of scores from the National Assessment of Educational Progress, which is colloquial called the nation's report card america's most prominent benchmark of learning shows the average 13 year olds understanding of math plummeting back to levels last seen in the 1990s struggling readers scored lower than they did in 1971 when the test was first administered gaps in performance between children of different backgrounds already huge during the bush and obama presidencies have stretched to still greater magnitudes as usual this was a real big loss for equity. Equity yeah. hit hardest in the closing of the schools for which no one is actually paying a price. I feel like I feel like my, it might be time to point some fingers. They're not even it's not even that they're paying they're not paying a price. They're getting promoted in some cases. Oh, yes, R- Randy Weingarten got a new gig. She right? did. There's a Department of Homeland Security panel or study advisory board for campus safety. And she's on it. Well, you know, it was an innovative way to keep bad things from happening on yeah. campus by like having no campuses campus. open. Yeah, yeah you could you exactly could do that. Right. You could continue to do that, and it would have other other yeah. bad effects. One of the crazy things in this was like that the long term progress that yeah. they've seen has been wiped out so fast. One of the the experts quoted here says it's amazing how much progress was lost so quickly. Yeah. Further. I think all of us sort of anecdotally understand that a love of reading ends up serving a person and making them a, a better learner as time goes on. The number, the percentage of kids who say they don't read is way up. The percentage of those who say they read every day is like cut in half. Yeah. Cut in half. Yeah. yeah. Down to like 7% mm-hmm. of kids. Multiple it factors. There are multiple factors, but obviously not good. one of them is the pandemic. So it's great how they're rewriting history now. Miguel Cardona, the Secretary of Education, you know, basically saying, of course we knew mm-hmm. that the p- pandemic would have this terrible effect on kids. You know, we're not blind. And he said, quote, it will take years of effort and investment to reverse the damage as well as address the 11-year decline that preceded it. And another Biden commissioner also said, you know, she had there were, quote, worrisome signs about student achievement, mm-hmm. you know, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's so much the pandemic caused it or was it the policies yes. so that's, enacted that's, during the pandemic? That's the thing is they'll say it's the pandemic and then some people go a step further and they say, oh, 
everyone knows that all these kids caught asymptomatic COVID and it had cognition problems. It made cognition problems for them. I'm like, okay, the settle COVID, down. The COVID did it? Yes, oh, the wow. COVID did yeah. it. This was the widest, longest disruption in American public schooling yeah. in history. Yeah, yeah. It obviously was going to make a difference of this kind. The parents, I know I sound like a broken record, the parents who said that this was going to happen were called racist yeah, yeah. or Terrorists. told that they wanted to kill children. Yeah. And then they were turned into possible FBI yeah. targets by the National right. School Board Association, which passed on its recommendations to a very willing FBI yeah. to listen to this characterization yeah. of parents who were pushing back. If only the parents had won sooner. They're working in concert, the FBI and these teacher union organizations, and really... Why can't we live in a perfect world where we could have these school board meetings without parents? Do we really need the parents? I know. It would be so much easier. One more note on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, finally, sure. finally, the release confirms earlier reporting about an ominous and far-ranging increase in student absences from the classroom. One quarter of participating 13-year-olds said they had missed more than two days of school over the previous month, up from about one-sixth of respondents just six, three years ago. Meanwhile, the number saying they'd missed three to four days rose from 11% to 15%. And the proportion who said they'd been absent five days or more doubled from five to 10%. So all these kids are missing more and more instruction Mm -hmm. time. And one of the reasons they are is because they got out of the habit of going to school. Yeah. And then they were told pretty explicitly by all of these policies that school didn't actually matter. School told you that it was dispensable and they believed school. Four days online. One day was asynchronous, at least in certain school districts near us, yeah. and in a lot of cases, they don't even have their screen on, so you can't. the teachers can't see if the students are there. And what about the little kids, and both parents work, and they can't afford to have, I don't know, a nanny or somebody or a tutor to help them? And they're just supposed to, on their own, stay on, line, stay on these screens? It wasn't happening, and no. I know talking to- It was obvious yeah. while it was happening. My kids' friends, you know, talking about how, you know, you put the screen on there, you could do other things. This was during that, it, during 2020, 2021. It was horrific. Do you know who didn't do too badly on these tests? Are the kids who went to private schools and charter schools, which stayed open through most so of that strange. time. Very, that's so according strange. to a Stanford study. So. I also believe that, uh, that you know, you see less drop-off from places that, you know, didn't close. Right. Exactly. For instance, someone was tweeting yesterday about Florida's fourth graders who show zero learning loss in reading between 2019 and 2022. Florida has regularly scored above the national average, but notable that there was no loss during the pandemic. That is going to have to bury that's that. That's pretty big. I think we need to bury that story. <laughs> Another thing that came to my attention this week is a, a piece in ProPublica by oh. Alec McGillis, who was early on the schools issue yeah. and, and counter to the mainstream left agreement about closing schools being totally awesome. Can America's students recover what they lost during the pandemic? He does a sort of a case study of a Richmond Virginia district Mm -hmm. that Richmond was surrounded by counties that opened much like Northern Virginia was surrounded by counties that opened and turns out those counties did better and those districts did better. But this is like really impoverished, high minority population schools. And this district said at the end of, you know, 2021, they're like, why don't we go to year round school? Because we can, you can put these breaks throughout the school year, but we don't want them to have this huge summer slide this summer when we've tried right. when we've been out for so long and the district the school board decided and the teachers and the teachers unions did not back this idea and said no they just need normalcy they need to just like take the summer off and enjoy themselves 
And so the head of the school board was like, okay, how about we make this deal? We do a normal school year this year. And then the next year we come back and we approve the year long school year because I feel like we're going to need more days. This will give us 20 more days. They'll still have a six week break in the summer. I think this is something we can pull off. They vote against it, even though they promised to vote for it after a year. Mm -hmm. And finally, the head of the school board says, why why don't we do a a pilot? And I'll I'll let some of these elementary schools sign up. Mm -hmm. Again, the teachers unions are against it. Much of the school board is against it. But he's like, I really think this is we need to test this and see if we can get more instructional days and see if we can catch up. In the end, do you know how many how many schools got through the old process to become pilot schools? How many, Mary? Kay? I believe just two. All told, yeah. only about one thousand of the district's twenty-two thousand students will return to school in late July, which will start them a little earlier on this year-round thing. That's not going to help very much. No. Now, I hope it helps those students. Yeah, but that's two years, two and a half years of lobbying and work. Yeah. To, to get, get 1,000 students out of into a 000. pilot program that would give them more instructional time. And yeah. by the way, is fully funded by all the $190 yeah. billion dollars that went out to schools yeah. to solve this problem. So there's no funding problem. 54 schools, 1,000 children of 22,000 allowed into this pilot program after all that work. And one of the school board members who voted against it closes by – they closed this piece by sure. saying – Learning loss is largely a subjective term. Working to standardize our kids at any point in their learning process is an artificial exercise. So we experienced this pandemic and some of our students aren't performing as well from a standardized perspective. Characterizing it as learning loss looks at it from a defect from a deficit perspective. We should be looking at it as where we are now and go from there. That's right. Can we just That's just no, look that's back. just nothing. That's, what she said is nothing. Don't look back. Let's look forward because if you look back, you're going to find that we made a lot of mistakes. Yes. So let's not do that. Again, the Please. time for pointing figure, fingers yeah. is here. Yeah. It is here, guys. Yeah, there's a point to the accountability and trying to hold them accountable. Yep. So, But the problem is you don't uh, fix the problem unless you hold someone yeah. accountable. All right. So that's my uplifting news for you guys today. That is a good piece, by the way, the ProPublica yeah. piece. So check it out. As opposed to ProPublica's uh, investigation of Samuel Alito. Which we can hold get to another time. time. This is why I... Pick my reporters, Alec, Alec McGillis, I appreciate. So traveling more down the road of the trust deficit. Yes. As Randy Weingarten is promoted yet again, and no one takes any yeah. responsibility. I just want to go over a couple people in the news this week who have no regrets. Much like the meme with the guy with the misspelled no regrets. You know that one? He has so. a tattoo. Oh, right. <laughs> of no regrets spelled incorrectly. First up with the tattoo. That would be great if he got this tattoo, actually. James Clapper. It would be Clapper. He's on CNN talking to Caitlin Collins. And he's asked, hey, you know, (laughs) you signed a letter with 50 other intelligence officers saying that the Biden laptop, Hunter Biden laptop, looked like Russian Russian disinformation. You have anything to say about that now? Let's let's hear a little bit. You said that you had no proof it was Russia and that you were raising what you said was a yellow flag later on. But do you regret signing that letter in the wake of how things have have transpired and where things were today and how Republicans in Congress are using that letter? By the way, I love that you have to get around to the weaponizing. The Republicans are weaponizing. Yeah. It's not that he lied along with 50 no. other mm-hmm. intelligence officials. It's, it's that Republicans are taking issue yeah. with the lying. Well, uh, to answer the question, no, I, I, I don't regret it. I, uh, I thought at the time that was appropriate 
to sound a warning about watch out for the dark hand of the, of the Russians. And in my case, this is uh, on the heels of what I saw the Russians do in 2016 to interfere and influence the outcome of our election. So I thought it was appropriate. I thought the letter was appropriately caveated by acknowledging we didn't have any direct evidence. And to this day, I still have not seen any official results of a forensic analysis of that laptop as to whether or not in some way the Russians uh, uh, messed with it. Did you catch the standard at the end of that clip for this laptop? Yeah, you can't prove a negative. Right. If if you don't prove yeah. that the, the Russians didn't mess with the laptop, he's in the clear. How do you know they didn't insert some language about be, the big guy? It should be disconcerting to everyone that he was yeah. head of an intelligence agency. Yeah, head of DNI, and this is his thought process, yes. really? As, as they say in Team America World Police, this is very bad intelligence. Very bad <laughs> intelligence. Okay? The... It's, you know, everything about this is a scandal. The letter's a scandal. Everybody who signed it, the people who pushed it, the journalist who got spoon-fed the story. Yeah. It's, it's, it, and he, and he can't on. just say, yeah. we were out of our skis on that. Yeah. No. Because, and, and the fact is, like, he's, he's lied under oath before. It's not like it was anything new for him to lie in a letter. It, no big right. deal. So he's lying for the right reasons, and he's lying for the correct team. And as a result, he gets to keep his cable news contract. He gets to get his really big speech paychecks. And he gets to lecture all the rest of us about public trust yeah. and truth-telling. That's know, what he gets to do. Abe Greenwald at Commentary has a great essay on America's distrust of basically yes. everything. So check that out because yeah, this, it's is, the, it's, this is like Exhibit A. Abe, Abe and I are, are mind-melding because that's, that's right. what the entirety of this show is about today. And it's not the only one. Up next, yep. with no regrets, Adam Schiff. Another one of our favorites. No regrets from Adam Schiff. House Republicans voted Wednesday to censure Adam Schiff after a vote to do so last week failed. The censure resolution sponsored by Florida Rep. Anna Paulina Luna, a newly elected Republican, says that Schiff held positions of power during Trump's presidency and, quote, abused this trust by saying there was evidence of collusion between Trump's campaign and Russia. Resolution passed 213-209, obviously, Democrats not happy about this. They were chanting, Adam, Adam. They're also the yelling, floor. shame, shame. But that made shame me, for who? Yeah, but that, that made me think of Game of Thrones when Cersei <laughs> has to be, you know, walk, you know, down back to the uh, the Red Keep and everyone's yelling I mean, shame and he throwing should stuff be at her. Ashamed, but yeah. he's not. And oh, the reason he should be ashamed he is, is because he was using his position, mm -hmm. having received secret information, yep. to just outright lie about the evidence against Trump in the Russia collusion story, which it turned out was fabricated. He knew where all this nonsense came from. He knew there wasn't a smoking gun, and yet he told all of America and leaked selectively oh. all this information about how Trump was. They had him dead to rights, guys. Yeah. Again, my saying any of this does not mean that Trump is a perfect man who doesn't do anything wrong, obviously. Listen to our last two episodes, yeah. But on this... Schiff was in the wrong. He was very, very much in the wrong. And he was, what's the word? Lying. He was lying. But here he is. Anderson Cooper asks him oh, a, a little bit about this. Let's let's hear it. Do you have any regrets on, on how you handle the Russia issue? Obviously, the former president was never criminally implicated for anything involving Russia. 
Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I think the investigation of his misconduct was very important. Uh, it ultimately led to his impeachment, which I was proud to lead. Uh, and it led to the first bipartisan vote to remove a president in U.S. history. Uh, I was also proud to serve on the January 6th committee, and I would do all of that again, and I would do it the same way. No regrets! None! Again, you know, don't apologize, ever. I think that's no, the that's... lesson. That's the lesson they, they teach you politics 101. Never apologize. Never admit fault. He, he has literally said, and people have now been putting together these wonderful little montages of during, you know, 2017, 2018, where he's saying the evidence is clear. Right. Trump colluded with the Russians. And now that we know Hillary Clinton really played a role in yeah. getting this whole thing going and that there are other Hillary Clinton aides like Charles Dolan who were interviewed, they seem to not care about that. And right. Schiff... I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, eating his humble pie, as they say, because he's also now running for Senate in California oh, against he's... a real rogues gallery, by the way. But know, that's right? a whole other story. Who is uh, a porter in him? Oh, Katie Porter. Katie who said Porter. That, Katie Porter, who said, by the way, that, you know, the next representative, a senator from California should be a black woman. But she's going to run anyway. Right, but not. I mean, maybe not she now. Maybe she identifies as one. Well, that, I think know, I think what she wants works. is for is for people yeah. to wait their turn behind her. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the important part yeah. of equity. No, is for Katie Porter to get there first. <laughs> I, yeah, so I mean, so I I couldn't think of somebody more fitting to receive this kind of a censure because he's so smug and self assured and in yes. love with himself. And censure, I feel like, is is one of those things yeah. where you haven't really overreached. You've yeah. given him the slap that he deserves. And yeah. it's something that is the yeah. prerogative of House Republicans to do. Yeah. And remove him from the committee. Which and I he think did. he deserves to yeah. be slapped. Yeah. He leaked. He leaked information, which, by the way, though, if the administration is Republican, then you're a hero for leaking. Yes. Right? Of course. And he is, of course, seen as a, a savior in so many ways. But uh, well, and it was really only be, it was only years. because of selective leaking. Yeah. That the press was able to build this narrative because yeah. they would just keep getting these little snippets and yeah. they would blow up each little snippet and say like, oh, look what's happening here. Mm-hmm. When in fact, nothing was happening. The there. amount of time that the network spent on this with him and Michael Avenatti and whoever else on TV, because this is it. We got him now. I mean, maybe they do now. But I mean, this is it, you know, at the time. Right. Just a waste. It was just a waste of time. And it's true. He talks about, yeah, we, we successfully got him impeached b- based on what? You know, in Mueller report that didn't find any sort of connection. But hey, mis- mission accomplished. So We're doing go. great. You want to hear another lie? Oh, well. Oh, I got one for you. Okay. This is recently left the CDC, but the former director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky. Oh. This is her, just a refresher clip from March 29th, 2021. Real quick here. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick, um, and, and that it's not just in the clinical trials, but it's also in real world. Okay, well, let's go to the FOIA email, shall we? This is from January 30th, 2021, so a couple months, two months before that clip. She says, Dear all, I had a call with Francis Collins this morning, and one of the issues we discussed was that of vaccine breakthroughs. This is clearly an important area of study and was specifically called out this week here. She offers a a study link. Nancy and I discussed this briefly a few weeks ago and understand that. Should we discuss? What is the next best step forward? Francis is also discussing with Tony. Thanks all. Rochelle. So she knew. She knew. Well, I mean, this goes hand in hand with, for example, these claims now that Facebook, you know, they censored people from talking about fact side effects. Yes. 
And the understanding now is Facebook didn't do it because they thought it was wrong. They, it's not that they didn't believe these people had side effects. Their great concern that was that it would cause more hesitancy in getting yes. the vax. It was social engineering. Yeah. And you need yeah. to get everybody vaxxed so they don't get the virus. Especially the two-year-olds. That's why Jerry Nadler was saying, you got to oh, wear the mask. got to get it kids, done. Because they're the ones who are getting it. No, you're right. The 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 censorship was often of correct yeah. but undesirable That's right. information. That's right. And they know better. And they're, you know, there's, there's a bigger picture here about the intentions. Yeah. And their intention is we need everybody to get vaccinated so we can stop COVID from spreading and killing people. And so whatever it takes to do that, including well, and this stopping ended up, people from talking about it. This ends up bringing us to now, which is sort of a debate about debate. Mm-hmm. Because during COVID, often one of our problems was that many things were relegated to the no debate column. Like mm-hmm. You cannot discuss reactions to this. Right. You cannot discuss, for instance, whether 17-year-old males, whether it oh. made sense rationally in their, in their risk profiles to get the vaccine versus not getting it, right? You couldn't discuss right. that. You couldn't discuss the lab leak theory. You couldn't discuss all of these things, right, that the, the scientists told us were not up for debate except for a th- i'm thankful for a handful of them that mm-hmm. stayed in the debate dr j what how do you say his last name dr j from stanford okay yes but ba- it starts with a b Basharia. he's got it those folks pushed back and i'm so yeah appreciative of them so now we get to this discussion attacked. which I'm, I'm gonna throw this one at you yeah, yeah okay the rogan oh yes the okay. rogan rf yeah. Yeah. K oh, discussion yeah. okay so rogan and rfk jr have a discussion on Rogan's show. And it's, of course, in large part about vaccines mm-hmm. and also about COVID restrictions in general, which RFK Jr. was skeptical of and on the right side of yeah. in many cases. However, he has been an anti-vax guy for a long time and often yeah. marshaled the fabricated evidence of the autism yes. autism Not childhood that. vaccine link to make his points, mm-hmm. right? So long time yeah. Mis- misinformationer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that on that front, and, right? And embracing Louis Farrakhan. Oh, RFK Jr. is bad in many ways. Yeah, yeah. Embracing him because of the belief that the vaccines were used to spread to kill black people. So He also has 20 plus percent support in a lot of yep. Democratic primary polls. Gotta stop that polls, from happening. Okay? Mm-hmm. So he has this discussion with Rogan where I think Rogan could have pushed back more in certain places, blah, 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 right? It starts this whole discussion with... How dare you platform him? He's right. just an anti-vax nut, and you can't do that. At which point, Rogan says to Peter Hotez, who was one of the doctors, scientists who, yeah. who had, t- had this take, Rogan says, why don't you come debate him on my show? Okay. I have no problem with like just the debate itself. The issue here is that Hotez himself was a misinforming. Oh, totally. Bullying. Yeah, bullying. Pro censorship, uh-huh. anti debate scientist on he Twitter, as on, so many were. I don't think he ever appeared on camera without the lab coat because the lab coat sort of imbues him with he really, his power. He looked like a cartoon character. It, it was a did. lot. But I think that the public health community and the scientific community who engaged in the misinforming mm-hmm. and the noble lies and the bullying online during COVID must contend with the fact that they have opened up. The possibility of having to confront an RFK junior yeah. on some of these things. And Vinay Prasad actually wrote for the Free Press that he thinks it's possible to engage with the ways that 
RFK Jr. is correct and the ways that he's wrong. So he says, okay, with regulatory capture in the pharmaceutical industry, you have points. Yep. On childhood vaccines, you're wrong. Right. Right? So to my mind- You can have that debate. To my mind, Vinay Prasad writing that piece Mm -hmm. is not a net harm to society. Right. But other people think, oh, if you you engage with this in any way, then it is, we're all going down. Yeah. But I I don't think you earn back trust without engaging- the fact that people are mistrustful enough that 20 plus percent right. of Democrats want to vote for this guy. I, you know, and they don't have any objection with Dr. Peter Hotez on TV because right. I would see him on MSNBC. Oh, he's all, he was all over. And I remember him basically accusing Republicans saying, you know, they're basically guilty of homicide right. because if they're not going to push this vaccine, then they have blood on their hands. And he said all this. Yeah. And, the, you know, and that the, was A-OK. The, yeah, and the panel's not along. OK. That's, right, that's, that's a really rational, glad we know that. Get, scientific get take, guys. Yeah. No. And he can be platformed all day, every day. Yeah. So Aaron Rupar, I, I do love journalists against mm-hmm. debate. That's my favorite sector of journalists. Yeah. His, his headline, Debate Me has become a bad faith propaganda tool for the right, designed to legitimize lies and target critics for harassment. It's ripped from the right, the right's free speech playbook, which demands bad actors get access to all platforms and audiences or else. What? Yeah. Again, I'm, I don't think I'm limitless on this, mm-hmm. but I, I have a wide latitude for people who you can engage. Well, yeah. Here's the thing. So I get what they're saying, which is somebody clearly is going to cause trouble, stir a lot of trouble. If you give them a platform and it's not going to be what we call it, quote unquote, an honest debate. Right. And it's like Jake Tapper the other day on CNN saying, we're not going to show Trump doing his little rally speech because it's just all lies. It's all lies. We'll get back to you. If anything of substance, we will let you know. And that's the whole thing about it is how do you know it's what's what's information or misinformation? We will decide and we will tell you. So, we, you know, because you don't know. And they have lost the right to do that. Yeah. Without questioning. That's the thing. A couple of years ago, I would have been probably closer to the other side of this argument. Sure. But I think public health has told us that so many things are not debatable that in fact turned out to be debatable that they have to engage in order to earn back trust. And again, I just just don't I don't buy that Vinay Prasad parrying RFK Jr.'s points makes us a worse society. Right. But you couldn't talk about it then, and some people still don't want you to talk about it now, whether you talk about the vaccine side effects or whether you talk about the lab leak theory. Do you remember that? You couldn't talk about it. You couldn't are we, even, are you we earning our warning su- today? Yeah. Are we going to get a COVID not, warning? You could not suggest it. But, you know, Jim Meggs has a great piece on this. I think it's a commentary where he talks about the experiments regarding coronavirus dating back to 2012 right. between Chinese scientists and a scientist from University of North Carolina and how they were like, you know, you can splice these my home, viruses. My home state really, home state. really holding it. You know, they up were helping each here. other along, mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah. you know, you can splice these viruses, and you could add these this this spike molecule, and that's this way you can affect humans with it. And then they realized at some point in the papers that they had written, this is kind of dangerous. Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And then these these Chinese miners got they got sick in a cave in 2015, and then the People's Liberation Army got involved. The research said. We got to figure out what this is in the bat guano, right? Yeah. And this, and 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 so then all of a sudden they are working on this in the in, at the Wuhan Wuhan virology lab. Right. 
This is not a conspiracy theory. This is all fact that's reported in the Times of London. Nobody's, I mean, this is this really happened. But if you were to suggest this three years ago, oh my goodness. And again, if you, I think if you continue to say yeah. all these things are off limits, all this oh. person cannot yeah. be discussed or you can't have a conversation with him, right. I think it just makes the trust problem worse. Yeah. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's what I think. Also, just to clarify when I say that, because you know the first patients to get it were the scientists at Wuhan. We, that is another thing that we also know now and that they're experimenting. I do not necessarily, I'm not saying it's a fact that the, la- the coronavirus leaked from the lab because right. they were experimenting. I still think that they went out on a lunch break and somebody to the got wet yeah, and somebody to the wet market and got a bat sandwich. Yeah, it just it just like made a a, a strange circle, a coincidental back. circle. Yeah, that's yes. right. Brought it back. That's how we got. It. Okay, we're doing high on the controversy on, oh, this, on this show today. We don't care. We don't care anymore. So uh, Riley Gaines was on the Hill this week. Man. I do want to play one yeah, little, one yeah, clip from her. Right. She is the great. former champion swimmer, SEC, swam for the University of Kentucky. In fact, swam against. Leah Thomas in her senior year and tied with Leah Thomas in her event, then was not given the trophy because they didn't have an extra trophy. And the powers that be decided it would be incorrect to deprive Leah Thomas of a trophy, but totally fine to deprive Riley Gaines of a trophy. We know what's more important. So now she's talking to Congress about this. And one of the things she notes is that she and the fellow swimmer, her fellow female swimmers, were not briefed about being in a locker room yes. with Leah Thomas. So just, I want you to listen to this. In addition to being forced to give up our awards and our titles and our opportunities, the NCAA forced me and my female swimmers to swim, to share a locker room with Thomas, a six foot four, 22 year old male equipped with and exposing male genitalia. Let me be clear about this. We were not forewarned we would be sharing a locker room no one asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. And I'll, I'll set the scene. A swimming locker room is not a place of modesty. You're undressing. You're fully exposed. And we were forced to take off our swimsuit in front of a man who was doing the exact same thing. If nothing else, I truly hope how you can see this is a violation of our right to privacy and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience. Totally fine. Totally fine. Don't believe your lion eyes. Because you know who's terrible on this panel? They're all, all Democrats are terrible, but Dick Durbin. Yeah. And. Well, let him, yeah, I'm interested in D- Dick Durbin, Durbin mansplaining to Riley why yeah. she should not be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. First of all, it's not a big deal. The Olympics and other things, you know, this is, this is exaggerated. So whatever you're going through is either exaggerated. Stop being so or, emotional, young lady. Maybe you're just making it up. I don't know. But she points out that Leah Thomas is not fully transitioned. Right. So if he's still a man, how does Dick Durbin, does Dick Durbin see him and think that is a woman because he tells me he's a woman, even though he's seeing, if he's there in that locker room and he sees Leah Thomas completely with these women and he's completely naked and he sees what he sees, no, they're, you know, because biology is now a social construct or something. It's that's amazing. And again, it's because they, you know, this whole idea of, you know, we all get to live our own truths. This is like the end result of this this moral but, relativism. But we're also it's in really the age awful. of consent, are we not? Mm-hmm. We're in the post me too yeah. emphasis on yeah. consent, consent for everything. And 
Gaines is saying, no one sought my content consent here. No. And in any other context, this would be considered a problem. Well, I mean, and the, the Durbin argument is to think about all these poor trans kids and, you know, what they think. And she's like, well, what about the rest of us girls, biological girls? Do we have a say in any of this? So, you know, what she also said in that clip, by the way, is she went to talk to administrators, staff about how did this happen, that he's there and we have to change in front of him. And the staffer had told her, according to Riley Gaines's testimony, they said, oh, we, well, we were able to get around it by saying that the bathroom is now unisex. Great. So there's great an, for me. There, great for her, them, and also the acknowledgement that, oh, we know that this person is different. Yeah. Even though he tells us, but you're not supposed to, they, you are supposed to believe whatever it is they tell you they are. In the, in the moment. I, I, that's what they are. Also, a, an expert Democratic witness said there's, when asked, basically, could Serena Williams beat male oh, tennis yeah. players she says there's been you know there's a news article about men that think they can beat serena williams in tennis never happened and it's just not the case she mm. is stronger than them here's riley Gaines again how, how 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 many female members of the nba do you see well i can say that you know there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat serena williams in tennis right that they think that they could actually score a point on her um and it's just not the case she is stronger Gaines, than that what's your experience ben Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Without trying, she says. So the other people providing the testimony, as you had just mentioned, saying that, you know, there's no way a man can beat Serena or Venus Williams. Certainly Serena Williams obviously is many ways, many ways is better. They just don't do their homework or they just don't care or they're just looking the other way. I think it's just fiction. It's really it's quite... It's just an... Because... Because some women can beat some men does not mean that on yes, average, like this right. is what they do. They take the outlying yeah. situations and Riley Gaines is exactly right. And by the way, just brave to continue yeah. to be an activist on this because she gets many slings right. and arrows. She's exactly right about her husband. Yeah. Which is that, hey, on a claim level and rankings, I'm up here. Mm -hmm. But physically, I cannot right. possibly right. beat him in the pool. And taking comparable abilities into account, right? Like, I would get mopped on the floor by Venus Williams, right? <laughs> I think I would probably lose, too. Because I'm terrible. But, you know... Uh, Even though I'm practicing. I've been, I've been no, practicing. That's good. That's good. That's good. Also, the, the U.S. women's national soccer team, didn't they lose a scrimmage? To 16-year-old boys. Yeah, in, in, from, like, Dallas. It was a... I yeah. think they have... They a, were under 15. They have cease and desisted yeah. playing that particular yeah. practice game because it's not do you know and that. it's like do you yes exactly do you and that is another story that gets buried do you know who said that andy murray the tennis player could beat venus williams venus williams yeah i know so uh, what are we talking about here okay all right we can do it let's lighten it up here oh people. let's do it slow to speak i'm gonna have no regrets about this one uh, uh, all right uh, let's hear it there's a distinct Flavor trend emerging in 2023. This is from the takeout.com, one that's infusing drinks and desserts alike with its fresh and fruity profile. Peaches are front and center in summer's most exciting limited time offerings. And let's let's take the most important one, which is Bushlight Peach. Available for a limited time. The lager has a 4.1 alcohol volume, 4.1% alcohol volume, and is the latest innovation to follow Bushlight Apple, which ended its run. Last year, how do you feel about Bushlight Peach? I have to control my emotions on this. So first of all, you know, 
the owner of Anheuser-Busch, AB InBev, right? I don't know if he still is, Carlos Brita. He was the one who sort of had this idea for things like Bud Light, Lime Marita, right. those, those kind of drinks, like they're fusing flavors. And to a certain extent, it works. But to give flavor to Bush Light is like putting <laughs> lipstick on a pig. We're not even talking about flavor. First of all, I personally like beer that tastes like beer. But we're not even talking about finding a flavoring for Budweiser, the king of beers, or Bud Light, the trans child of Budweiser. You know, we're talking about we're talking about what I drank in college because it was cheapest. And I remember thinking when I am old enough to live in an apartment and we can have our own kegger, we're gonna get some fancy beer like like Killian's Red. Remember Killian's Red? You. Oh man, we're getting Killian's Red. And then we had our party. Before it, we were planning, we went to Dixie Liquors. I saw the price of like of a keg. They're like, wow, what is the cheapest one we can get? And then we ended up with a bush light. Bush light. And it is awful the smell. The smell the next morning of leftover bush light now out that, in the open. That's the smell of Athens, Georgia on a Sunday. That's, lovely. That, it's that's a what lo- that smell it's, is. That's a lovely smell. So bush light was in your world as well, Mary Catherine? Yes, although we preferred when we were going cheap beer, The Beast. Oh, yeah. Milwaukee's Best. Or PBR often. That, I would have gone for that. There was a package very store. very fashionable now. There was a package store down the street from a friend's apartment that I don't know why, but they would take several. It, you ended up like always with like sort of mismatched six packs or 12 packs of PBR that they had sort of duct taped together. I don't know why they were falling apart so much, but we often got those at a discount and uh, we would take them back to the house and enjoy them. You know what we would do? You always want a duct taped yeah. 12 pack. That's, that's 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 reassuring. Of course, you know, there are no labels on the kegs. So when you would have a party, they, they don't know what's in the keg. But we you know what we would do? We would actually take... And rare, a rare is a college student with a palate yes. that can no, really no, no, identify. No, 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 no. I couldn't even put the, the tap. I have to get somebody else to put the tap, to install a tap, one of my housemates. But we would take bags of ice, stick it on top, and then people would ask, oh, what's the beer? We'd say, oh, it's Bush Ice. Like Molson Ice? Remember Molson Ice? Yes, I Bush do. Ice. I would, I would try Bushlight peach. I am guilty of drinking Bud Light Lime. I like a little flavor in my beer. I'm not mad at it. But I do not like too much flavor. There are certain ones that are too much. But I like a little hint. I'm not. Are you I'm pumpkin spice? About... Do you do the pumpkin spice beer? I when if I drink a drink a pumpkin spice in the fall, mm-hmm. it has to be a very nice beer. In the summer, I like my flavored beers to be crappy beers. In the fall, they need to be nice beers. <laughs> The weather. I don't know why. No, no, because the weather affects <laughs> yeah, it. No, drink- no, no. It's a, a light beer is drinkable in the summer. Yeah, yeah, it's so a day drinking thing. Anyway. In the fall, I can handle something a little bit more robust. Okay, well, get yourself a drink now. These are the rules. That's right. Okay. We need a drink now. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you could follow me on Twitter at Victory Nomadis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram, and you should follow us at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram where you will see all sorts of sometimes flattering and sometimes unflattering and sometimes controversial clips of us chatting about the news. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. (laughs) 